What's up, everyone? I am Kyle Schudick, and welcome to the Stay in the Fight podcast. I am so grateful to have you listening with me today. This podcast is an in-the-field approach to connect you to the stories and experiences of people who are or have had to overcome their battles, those who have chosen to stay in the fight. You're going to hear of resilience, perseverance, and persistence that hopefully relates and resonates with you to show you that you are not alone in your thoughts and feelings and experiences. Our aim is for you to extract a lesson, strategy, or tactic that you can integrate right now so that when things feel too overwhelming, you too can stay in the fight. Welcome, Joe Ku, on to the Stay in the Fight podcast. Joe, welcome. Hello, and thank you for having me on. Man, thanks for accepting. So, you know, we, we came upon each other earlier in the year, you know, through um, a similar group. And as you started releasing your story and like the journey that you had, I found it so fascinating because it's, it's literally the, I mean, taking a journey. It isn't just you're here in this place and taking a journey. You went on a journey and we really want to dig into that. So this, we're going to, Joe, if you want to dive deep, that's, I would love one. I want to hear it even further. And I think a lot of people get so much value out of this. Awesome. So if you, if you want to dive deep, let's do it. Uh, so the let's first thing, let's, let's really dig into, you know, who you are, not, you know, what do you do, but you know, who you are, you know, where are you from? Um, and you know, what are you really uh, doing right now? What, is, what are you up to? What's kind of your main center of focus? Well, I'm a, I'm a guy from Southern California, uh, pretty much born and raised. And um, on the playground is where I spent most of my time. <laughs> uh, I couldn't resist. Um, I know it. I, you know, I, ever since high school, I was the like kind of a weird kid. Um, because okay. I would be the guy on lunch break, I would be reading books like um, you know, Conversations with God. And yeah. I'd be reading stuff about spirituality and metaphysics and, you know, philosophy. And uh, that made me super popular with all the girls. And I, was I bet. Invited yeah. to all the parties. Um, but I, I was always kind of, I was always looking for answers from a very early age. And I oh, think man. a lot of that came from, you know, having, you know, grown up in a very emotionally and physically abusive situation. Mm a lot of trauma there, which prompted me to ask questions like, why? You know, yeah. Why is my life like this? You know, everyone else seems to be okay. You know, why is it that when it comes to me, I don't feel like I'm like everyone else. You know, there's something wrong with me and I don't understand why or what that oh, is. And, you know, for many years, I carried that into my personality and um, eventually it would show up in the way that I would constantly feel like I have to overachieve. I have to constantly please everyone. Oh. I have to constantly earn every inch, every ounce, every morsel of validation 
and consideration because I intrinsically didn't deserve it. So I had to, I had to earn it. Right. And so that brought me, um, eventually into my adult life where I faced a series of breakdowns, which, um, you know, I, I was at a point where I was working an 80 hours a week job and eating and sleeping at the office. And for all intents and purposes, I had made it as an adult. Yeah. You yeah. know, I had my house, my car, I had my job, I had money, I was comfortable, I can get, you know, I can get by and, and be okay. Yeah. But I was dead inside. Mm-hmm. And every day in the morning, in the shower, I would just hang my head against the wall and just, you know, it's just like that, that few seconds of like feeling the water against my skin and just the world outside not existing yet. And it was, it was just me. And all I could see in myself was just, is this it? Yeah. Like that, that's a, a question, right? That, I'm certain I'm very familiar with. And, and I think there's a lot of people out there who, who listen, who've maybe they're not ready to, to, to say that outwardly, but yeah, have that conversation internally, We're, whether you're in the shower, the shower is a great place for one, the epiphany and then two contemplating thought. Cause it's, uh, yeah. 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 And finishing arguments, right. <laughs> and finishing arguments. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, you know, or if you do it while you mow the lawn or you're out, you know, right. whatever, whatever is your place right. to have that moment is, I'm, I'm more, I know that there's so many people who have, once you open that conversation, we've been in those conversations where they're like, yeah, I've just sat there and I said, is this it? Is this, is this all, all it is all like there can't be, you know, and, and then leading to the fact that you, you either resign to that fact or you see that there's something else. And so what happened in those moments? So you said, you know, you'd sit there and say, is this it? Uh, how long did that last for? Like, and really, what did it, what did it deeply feel like? It's one of those things where, because for so long, um, I had gotten really good at staying busy as a tactic to not mm. have to look at my myself and to not have to answer that question. So whenever the question would come up, it would be like, ugh, you know, who the fuck am I? Yeah. What am I doing? What is any of this for? Oh, oh, well, shower's over, get yeah. dressed, go to work, get in the car, you know, get on the freeway, drive to work, 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 get home. Oh, I'm lonely. Uh, what's this all for? Oh, got to go to bed, got to wake up tomorrow, do the same thing. Yeah. And so this becomes a pattern of, you know, that question always existing. And, you know, I've come to, there's a term that they use for this, which is the life of quiet desperation. Yep. Right. And so a lot of people can resonate with that. And for me, absolutely. You know, they call it quiet desperation, but it's not quiet. No, if you if you if you know how to look for the warning signs. Right. Look at the way that it's influencing your life. Look at the way that you're showing up. Look at the way that you're not showing up, actually, would be a better way to put it. That is that is a uh, I want to jump on that for a second. And it it, it is that. it is that how you're not showing up. Cause everybody's like, how is it that you show up? Well, it's the stuff that you're not doing. Right. And, and I had this conversation with, with, with somebody and I actually played it on both sides of the fence. Cause even through my growth, there's th- things that I then said, this is what I'm not going to do. And so he's like, well, what are you doing? I said, well, this is not what I'm doing. But when I'm, when I was before that growth phase for me, and you probably experienced this too, is you look at the things that you were 
I'll give you an example for me sitting at home and I'm feeling at comfort because I have my, and comfort is not a word I like to actually use. I use it familiar. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting at home with my, my family, mm-hmm. not engaged, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I'm here. So I'm with them. And that makes it, that is that thing that right. I'm, I'll, I'll try to put it for, for me to give it some context is that, you know, what am I not doing? Well, I'm not talking to my wife. I'm not playing with my kids. I'm here with them. They are five feet from me, but right. What are we not doing? And that's, that for me is how it shows up. And I see in many different ways. So what were the things that you weren't doing? Like not showing up for like, what, what exactly would those be? I mean, like if I were to list all the ways in which I wasn't showing up in my life, this would be a very long conversation. So let's, (laughs) let's frame it as I believe that there's a state of being right in which you know, when you're connected to it, you feel alive, you, you wake up and you know that Mm. you're somebody that has purpose, you're somebody who has something to give something to say, and that the world is better with you in it. Yeah. When you don't feel those things, there are probably specific reasons for why. Mm. And oftentimes, what I found is, it's because we get disconnected. Either we're disconnected from our sense of self, our sense of purpose, our sense of drive, our sense of meaning, our sense of value, or something like that. And oftentimes I find that happens because when we're trying to cope with life, we we put up with the things that we're we're angry about, or we're, we're resentful about, but we feel we're powerless to change. Our Our method is to get numb. Oh, no, the problem is you can't isolate what you get numb to. Yeah. It's not like a strategic Novocaine shot, right? You, when you numb yourself, you numb everything. And that yes. includes passion. That includes your vigor. That includes your willingness to take risk um, you know, to, and, and be willing to fail towards your greater goals, right? All of that gets numbed yeah. when you're trying to numb you know, the things that bother you. And so I think that's what it was. It was, you know, that it's that, that sense of quiet desperation that happens when we get disconnected from that. So tell me about the, the energy. So when you, when you said you, you try to numb those things, it numbs everything else. In, and what did that do to your energy? And, and what I mean by that is how much energy do you, did you feel you expended every day trying to push that down and trying to numb that? All, it took all the energy. Man. It takes all the energy. And here's the thing, right? Like people oftentimes when, you know, it's, whether it's a client or just somebody that I'm working with, um, you know, they'll say things like, I feel so tired. I'm so drained. And I'm just like, yeah, look at all the energy you're spending hating what you're doing and pretending <laughs> that you're not. Yeah. That takes effort. A lot of effort. Uh, you know, having to show up, deal with the same people, put on the face, not get outwardly angry, deal with the internal anger, suppress it down so that you don't do or say something stupid, go home, don't take it out on people around you, but also not look at it for yourself because that's uncomfortable. All of that is costing you energy. Man, it, 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 it is. And again, you know, being two people who are very familiar with this is that 
I mean, I, I, I liken it to, and, and I got this from a training the other week, was he, uh, the, the guy who held the training was talking about, he goes, imagine trying to take a giant beach ball, right? So you're familiar, you've been to the beach and the pool. Right, and they try and to push to you under the water. Under the water. That was yep. a great, because I'm a very visual person. That one connected with me because I do it with the kids all the time for entertainment. Yep. However, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I can't get it any further. Daddy, put it further down. And I'm like, and I went back into that visual space for me. And I was like, oh my God, that is so true. Because it just comes flying up in your face. And, but it, it is a very real thing because it takes all of your energy and focus to put it in there and to suppress and, and just lock it away so it, you don't have to deal with it. And yeah, we think that avoidance, you know, is the quintessential, the quintessential way to just not um, have to deal with when right. essentially, like you said, your clients, I've had ones that showed up like that, friends and family, other veterans who've told me I'm so just drained. I'm like, what yeah. have you done? They're like, I've done nothing, but I've done everything. Right. You know, exactly. To lock it away, man. That's, it's, it's, it's a powerful thing to hear when other people say that the energy they've had to expend to, to do that. And, and so yeah. uh, what, I, what I wanted to know is like, how long did that persist though? I mean, when that, when that really kind of locked in, so you had everything, the, the house, the job, the car, um, yeah. you know, you had all this working 80 hours a week and avoiding, but how long did that really persist? Not, not too long. I okay. mean, at that, at that, at that point, um, I was at that job in that space. Before I had that job, I was doing something else. Um, I was a professional scam artist. Um, <laughs> and that's not, that's a story I don't tell everyone all the time. Um, but, you know, that was a whole other situation. But after that, I got into this, you know, 80 plus hours a week job. It was, it was honest money, but it was hard work. And it was, but the reason why I was able to hold that job it was because by that point I had already decided within myself that I was going to, I was going to change. Mm -hmm. I was going to make a big move. And I used all the money that I was making at that job to do it. And that's what led me to um, selling everything, literally giving away everything I, I, I had that I didn't bring with me and go to South Africa for three years. Um, and so that was, um, that was the light at the end of the tunnel for me, or so I thought. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's another story. <laughs> yeah, of what happened when I got there, but um, but you know, I had I had a drive. I had the sense of like, no, you know, I I don't want this anymore. This isn't worth it anymore. The comfort, the security, the mm. illusion of comfort and security. Yeah, just because I have the money and the job, but like if something happens and I lose that job, I lose not only the comfort and security, I'm right back to not knowing who the hell I am. Oh man, that is, that is so true, right? Uh, and anybody who has ever even lost that job, you immediately fall into that. So I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm a victim twice in a row. I say a victim, right? But you do have to be a victim to be a victor. We know this right. hero's journey. Sure. I firmly believe yeah. in that, right? The, the villain to superhero is what I use, right? If you are your greatest villain. Um, is that yeah it, you'll immediately fall fall into into that to that category and you said something that's 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 funny that i really i won't even well, I can call it funny but it's funny that that you said that you said the illusion of comfort yes right? the illusion of comfort so i i have a big qualm for me let, and i and i'd love to get your opinion on this is like people are like get outside of your comfort zone i was like no mm. get out of your familiar zone because it's very mm. very familiar but it's mm. so uncomfortable mm. And for me, comfort, comfort is doing the thing that I'm in alignment with. Even if it's scary as shit, right? right? I'm right. comfortable because at least I know what I value. And even if I come up against the friction, 
I'm more comforted in the fact that, you know, I can look at my value and say, this is in aligned and I might not be succeeding in this. And sometimes I have to sit in it because the fear is so great, but it's more comfortable than looking back at the couch and right. Or for you, you know, the job in the 80 hours a week, it's so much more comfortable than actually looking at that where you're just like, Oh, it's, but it's so familiar. And so I'm curious your take on that. Well, the thing is, we know how to suffer. We know how to be that (laughs) character. We do. do. Right? It's like, I know how to wake up and be angry and be resentful. And so within that familiarity, that becomes the new normal for us. Mm -hmm. And then we say, well, this is my comfort zone. No, it's not. It's it's killing you. Yeah. It's literally smothering the life out of you. You know, look in the mirror. Do you see any light in your eyes? If not, that's a big warning sign. Oh, man. That you're not alive. Okay? So, and... But the thing is, that tends to be a deeper level of wisdom that only arises after a person has done some investigation yeah. or when life has hit them hard enough to disorient them from what they become so familiar with. And they start to ask, wait a minute, yeah. <laughs> is this sustainable? <laughs> right. You know? Um, so, yeah, I, I, think, I think you're right in, in that our comfort zones are actually zones of discomfort that we've become familiar with in the same way that when you're in a prison from a detached distance, you see the bars that hold you back. But as you get closer and closer, the, the, you know, you see past the bars and you see, well, I don't see any bars pressed right up against them. Right. And that becomes your, your safety zone. Yeah. Um, And I do agree that, once you've done some of that deeper work, once you start to realize there is a deeper part of you that is starved, that has been held back, that has been suppressed, that has been numbed. Um, once you start to move from that space, you start to take risks. Yeah. Right. But those risks aren't really risks. It's more like when the boat that you're on is sinking, is it a risk to jump into a lifeboat? Oh man. Right. Uh, I love, I'm a, I'm a visual guy. So like I, I see it. Right. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. So it's like, Hey, I don't know if this life, lifeboat is going to work. I don't know where it's going to take me. I don't know what I'm going to encounter, but I know I can't stay here. Yeah. Yeah. You right? can't, you, you, the, the boat is, you know, this boat is going to sink as a fact, right? right? And, right. and you have, you have the other option over here, which at least is uh, more viable. Right. Right. <laughs> It's something, it's something that sits out in front of you and say, okay, well, at least I'm not going to sink here. So let's see, see where that goes. And it, yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's a huge first, first step. So how do you get to that realization? Because th- that is the hardest part for me. That was the hardest part I saw uh, in first other people I've talked with who've been on the podcast or, uh, or otherwise is there's this, it almost seems like this gigantic gap, right? Mm. Of the uncomfortable familiar to the new venture introspection right where that mm. starts at self-awareness I, mm. I call it sa squared self-awareness and situation awareness. because you're in a situation in your life and you have to have the self-awareness and we make that gap seem so wide like it's trying to hurt you know hurdle over the grand canyon and that's all yeah. you guys are two legs but how do we close that gap right so how did you close yeah. that gap and say okay well this is this is it's not that far and if i just move a little bit you know, to that, to that self-awareness piece. So ultimately what I'm getting at is how did you just kind of start tweaking into that, to that real introspection, self-awareness? I don't know, man. Like I, <laughs> it's tough, isn't it? I, it's, well, I know what the answer is. Here's the thing. I know exactly what the answer is, 
for me. Okay. And, and that's not the same as for others. And I say that because I'm the kind of guy that had spent all, I had already spent a decade looking at deep work. So I already knew my problem was despite knowing I didn't take action. Mm. So I had all this fancy schmancy information and knowledge in my head about, Oh, this is my shadow self and this is this and this is that. Okay, great. What am I going to do with all that? There we go. Right. And so for me, I decided to really bring all of that, that information and wisdom to bear upon my life. And I started to say, okay, yeah, this is going to be scary. And I'm going to, you know, not know what I'm going to encounter. But all of the things that are making me look at this from fear, it's coming from a personality. It's not even me looking at it. It's like recognizing that, <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm experiencing this fear and, and, and thoughts are coming up like, you can't do that. You know, you're not 20 anymore. You can't be making these stupid decisions. And then I have to pump the brakes and say, who's talking? Yeah. Which voice is this? There's only one of me in here. So who's talking? Which, which voice is this coming from? Is this the voice of me that from a very early age created the rule that says you have to be small so that you can be safe? Mm. Is this the voice that says, keep your world small and controllable so that you're less likely to make mistakes? Because if you make mistakes, people won't love you. Man. Is this coming from the voice that says you're not allowed to do anything adventurous or outside of what you're familiar with because you might do something wrong and you might look stupid and nobody's going to help you and you're going to be excluded? Because if that's the voice that's speaking, then... I have to kind of take inventory and say, okay, is that the voice I want to keep listening to? Is, that, is this voice going to take me to where I know I need to be in order to not kill myself? Mm. Because if I stay here, either I'm going to get so bitter and angry that life wouldn't be worth living anymore and I will end it. Or I'm going to be completely tyrannical and obsessive and compulsive and just nasty and bitter. And neither of those are options that I was willing to accept anymore. So if all of this fear is coming from the voice that is leading me down that path to keep me safe, I would rather take a leap of faith in myself and say that I'm willing to go somewhere else where I don't have an idea of what I'm going to be. Man. Because I know what I'm going to be here. Right. That. So for me, that's what that was. Ooh, you're touching the emotions here, man. I'm actually weltering a little bit. Seriously, like that is it's it's because it's a it's a familiar story. I I I can feel that, you know. Yeah. And and the the fact that you said you know you said this um, taking that leap of faith, but you said listening to the to the voice on the inside because I think we all have a picture of where we'd like to be, right? Yeah. I, mean, I really, I really, if you, if you even take five minutes to, to and if you don't believe in the woo-woo meditation, close your eyes and say, where would I like to be versus where am I going? Oh man, that, that, that the vision, right? People that this popular term to use the vision or just maybe the perception mm. of what I could be versus mm. this. And if I stay here, what's it going to, we always say the cost, what is it right. costing me? Because it's not, you know, it's not an expense, it's a cost, right? It's, it's yeah. taking so much away. And 
Um, and some people go that deep, you know, like you said, it could, it could be the, the end and some people will see it that way. And mm. that's what we're trying to accomplish is either people who, for resignation purposes of just keep living that same life or, you know, that are on, on the, the, the literal edge is to, you know, to get them to, to that point. Like you said, uh, you know, you did a, a lot of inner work before, at least you read yeah. on it. So you accumulated knowledge and a lot of, uh, I'm, I'm, that was one of my coping mechanisms was education. Yeah. Tell, and I'm proud of it, but right. You, you said one thing, what am I going to do with it? Cause I'm in a miserable spot. I'm in a very uncomfortable spot. And I decided to, to use the wisdom finally to my advantage because this, and you could, the more, and I think the more we shape into, and sometimes I believe my personal thing, we have to sit into it and see what the ultimate cost is going to be. Right. I have to sit into it and be like, what is, yeah. uh, and that's something that, you know, a lot of people are afraid of, mm. but I almost think, um, to almost scare yourself shitless out of it <laughs> like, yeah. to a degree right. to say, but this is where I could be. I love how you said that, that, yeah. that, uh, at the, um, I had to process that for me because it, it like it's emotional, man. It really is, and I and I yeah. I want appreciate your vulnerability because that is sure. hard for people to do. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I know you've especially done a lot of guys. work, especially for especially for guys because we yeah. lug around this huge body armor, right? Mm. Us, and it's impenetrable. Yeah, right. It's 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 not. Um, you just yeah. oh, you got through that one. We'll just stack on another plate. <laughs> right. But, um, but then taking that and looking at who is actually talking. So when you say who's actually talking, you know, there's, if you want to get in the consciousness part, we can, but it's so true. You have this voice that just keeps repeating itself over and over again. If, if this, then this is going to happen. And so we try to make all this logic out of something that maybe isn't quite logical. So how did you really break into that? Uh, what was it like to actually get introspective on that voice? Because that, that is the thing where you have to separate out who is doing the talking. So Kind of, can you get a little bit further into the process on that? I mean, that's something that I had been doing um, for quite a while. So it, it, it was like a, an, an evolution. Um, ever okay. since high school, I started to get more introspective. And like I said, I started to look at the difference between what is your thought, what is your emotion, and what is you. Okay. Right. And so I had that foundation going into all of this. But... I mean, I would say like, eventually, you just have to get honest with yourself. And how I define that honesty, it's not the same as just telling yourself the truth. Mm. It's about asking yourself, why is that the truth? So for me, when I started to look at that voice and those fears, I had to also be aware that like the majority of this came from childhood experiences of my early trauma that I never processed. Now, when you're a child, when you're between ages of, you know, five and seven, a lot of things happen to you. And at that age, we don't have the, the language tools. We don't have the frontal cortex development to know that when things happen, it's not because of us. Mm when you're a child, you literally experience everything from a more subconscious area where it is about you. So if you're hungry, the world is hungry. We're hungry. Yeah. If your parents are fighting, it's because of you. Some, there's something about you that's making mm -hmm. the parents angry. And so it, 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 everything is about you from that stage because you're, 
you haven't developed that distinction. Yeah. Yeah. So why am I talking about this? Now, growing up, I realized that I carried a lot of those younger self strategies that I developed before I knew that when my mother yelled at me and told me I was useless, before I understood that that was more about her than about me, mm. I believed it and I soaked that in and I made that a part of me. And so now when I look back at that voice, I have to recognize, oh, at that point, I really genuinely believed that it was about me. Yeah. And then I started to cater my life around that. And I started to build a personality around that. And it started to, because that became my character, that became the life that I started to anticipate and create and intend. And so now looking forward, if I want to go somewhere other than where I've been mm -hmm. and create something other than what I've been creating, I have to let go of that character. Yeah. Right. Stop playing that character in that story so I can create something else. So that's the foundation that I brought into how I started to work with my thoughts, how I started to get into my mindset and really get honest with myself. Again, honestly, not, not just saying, oh, I was abused and that's why I'm like this. No, yeah. it's like, okay, I was abused. Now, what did I do out of that? How did I respond to that? How much of that is still accurate for me going forward? <laughs> right? Man. You know, I find, I find so much truth when that happens. When, when you actually ask more of the questions like just why did this happen? But like, what about this is actually still carrying with me? What is it? What, what is true about this? What is there's, I mean, there's, uh, you could just download a fact. There's so many questions that can help you guide you towards introspection. Yeah. Even if you don't have somebody to work with, I, re yeah. I recommend somebody to work with, you know, I mean, we all have, we're, we're, we're kind of in the same realm. And, but even if, even if that's the, the first spot, because what, what you just said was like, I'm carrying this and, 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 you know, basically you were just like, you know, why, why is this? And cause that's the first basic question, right? Is like, mm -hmm. why is this? But th does that really lead you down that path? Instead, you said that, Oh man, that super introspection. You know, what about this is really still true or was it ever true? Right. And then yeah. that just takes yeah. you down the uh, proverbial rabbit hole into yes. really that introspection. And I challenge a lot of people who listen to this is if you're, if you're carrying something like that, you know, Stop asking why and say, what about this is actually still true? Or was it ever? Yeah. Man, that is like, yeah. you hit the, like, the nail on the head. And I love hearing it because it just brings a lot of uh, a power, right? Yeah, I think, I think why is a great question, but you have to be very aware of how you use it. Mm, yes. Because when you ask it in the frame of why did this happen to me, the answer you get back is a justification. Yeah. It happened to me because my mother was insecure and unstable. It happened yeah. to me because we were poor. It happened yeah. to me because the world is messed up. Yeah. What do you do with that? Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. But when you start to ask, why did I create strategies around that? And what about that situation? That mm. event is still true. And what about it was true, if it ever was? And what does that mean to me now? Right? Man. Yeah. So that oh. gives, so the response you're going to get out of those questions, you're going to be able to, you know, help you actually do something about it and oh. change your story. So, so much, you know, so we had a, a, another guest and um, I believe we talked about it on the podcast, we talked about the boomerang of why, 
Like, so like you said before, if you ask a why question, it's going to come right back at you with the answer of the world and not the answer of your perception. Yes. So you, man, you definitely, you hit a lot on that. And honestly, I think that's, man, that's a good, like I said, I like one, I love having like one strategy or, you know, tactic somebody can, can use. And I think that's a good one to even start off with. Cause that's where I started personally. That's like, I stopped asking why and said, what about this is really doing that. And then it, that's, that was the clear. (laughs) <laughs> that was the that was jumping off the cliff. All right, now where do we go? All right, we'll figure it out. Um, yeah, man. So you took that and you started asking all those questions, and then we'll go. We'll step back and say, well, I don't want to flip my notes. Maybe I should. My podcast. I say what I want, and we can do whatever. We've done Google searches on here, so it's cool. There you go. Yeah, man. Actually, let's figure out what that means. But you said you started taking these advances, right? And so you started asking. It looks like you started asking your questions. You really started to formulate. But then eventually you had to take the leap and take the journey. And you took the biggest leap that I've heard like anybody ever take. Like, quite, I've never known outside of my circle of people saying, "Screw this, I'm joining the military," right? Mm-hmm. Which is still a pretty big leap. Yeah. You went back. So you sold. So you started this journey, and then you sold everything. Um, how long ago? This was. Um just over three years ago. Just over three years ago. So you not still, too long ago. Yeah, actually, it's not too long. You know, in a big uh, span of things. In a bit, yeah. You know, so just over three years ago, you sold everything because you took the step. Because where you, you were yeah. in a sinking ship, and this step was to sell everything and then go to a different continent, right? To begin your real journey. From what my perspective, that's what I like. When you say it, I'm like, this was this real journey. This is like, oh sinking ship. I'm going to go jump on this life raft. And your life raft was in South Africa. Right. Yeah. And so let's go, th- we got the time yet. Let's, yeah, let's go through that because this is like, you chose, you chose to keep pushing on, get you, mm. you shedded the BS, right? You shedded the, the, the thing that was dragging you down. And then you said, I'm, I'm going to push on. And this is where I need to go. So one, what prompted you South Africa of all places, right? Like what, prompted that number one yeah um so that didn't come out of a vacuum i okay. i had i I've, I've known a group of people that have been you know my friends and my extended family um and it's a group of people that practice um a certain set of mindset and self-responsibility mm. and self-forgiveness principles um that i very deeply vibe with uh and an, an opportunity came for me to stay with them and they were in South Africa and they had a farm. And so I, I said, yes, <laughs> I said, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'm going, um, not knowing how or, 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 or what I would have to do to make that happen, but I, I made that commitment. And that was kind of when I you know, started to really own that 80, 80 hour a week grind. It, because I knew that was, there was a light at the end of that. And so I I muscled through and I, I bared through that. Um, And so that's, you know, that's kind of what made me think, okay, you know, South Africa, here's, here's a thing, right? Here's an opportunity for me to, to find out, you know, who am I outside of what I've been? And, um, yeah, yeah. I've, I've get because like there, there had obviously three years is a huge journey to do that, but it was great. So you said you owned the, uh, you owned the opportunity of the grind. So I'm, uh, my, my assumption, correct me if I'm wrong, is that you used all of that as the, the catalyst for the opportunity, or excuse me, to facilitate the opportunity. Um, right. Okay. So you had to fund right. that out, outside of selling all of your stuff. 
um, right. to get yeah. the income, the, to get the plane ticket, to get the money to survive off of and everything right. else. And then exactly. but they said, here's an opportunity. And that's a huge, that's a huge opportunity. And I'm wondering how many of those right. things pass in front of us that we just uh, look over. Cause I, I'll give you uh, I'll give you a note that I picked up on the other day and maybe you saw it, it was on a post and it said, um, uh, if you're familiar with uh, Jim Mattis, who's a, he was a general in the Marine Corps, you know, mm. secretary of defense, uh, somebody I got to listen to. And one of the first things he said about people who are coming back or who are in transition or anything else, this was more geared towards military veterans, but I took it in the context of somebody who's just like, I'm in a transition, mm. right? Which you were in a transitional mm. period. And he goes, one, there's plenty of opportunity. Yeah. Right? But I wonder how many times we actually let that pass by, you know? I mean, if, if you, if all things being equal, if you weren't really in that introspective place, how, how would have, would you have even jumped? Exactly. Um, and I tell, I tell this to clients of mine as well. You know, the, your problem isn't the lack of opportunity. Mm. Your problem is the lack of meaning. Yeah. If what you're living with right now is not painful enough for you to consider something else, then you'll have no reason to investigate. You'll have no reason to change because mm. you, can, you can deal with it. It's not bad enough oh man right yeah your quiet desperation isn't desperate enough yet that's no. a bunch of truth behind that like sometimes we have uh, i'm not saying we have to but i'm not yeah. giving i'm not giving you know your permission is your permission but you know sometimes we have to wait till it is the the tipping point right and that's that happens with some people and some people doesn't some people there's the opportunity and they're like i'm i'm, I'm done i've done enough Yes. yes, but there, but enough is measured differently. Forever. Right, exactly. So, you know, whatever, wherever you fall on that scale, you've got to honor that, right? And that's mm -hmm. the space I give to people as well. It's like, hey, man, I know what my rock bottom was. Yeah, I don't know what that is for you. And hey, you might actually be okay. You don't have to go on a big heroic journey and prove yourself. If you're okay where you are, be okay. Yeah, enjoy that. You know. Mazel. Yeah, right. And I, that, that's another side of the spectrum that people don't look at is sometimes we, we're just, sometimes we're searching for a problem that isn't a problem. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. part, part of the training I, I went through is like, sometimes it's just, it's just some pain that we're, we're dealing with and, and, exactly. and we turn it into the problem. Right. Exactly. And then as we've had, right. you and I have had conversations in this, I was actually driving in a car while we were on a call and we were talking about the fix it mentality, which is the natural, yeah. I believe the natural, especially to most men is mm. fix, fix, fix. Everything is a problem, right? Let me pull out the whole tool belt and see what I can do instead of saying, you know what? I'm okay where I'm at. Yeah. The other, the other part, sometimes you get introspective and then you're like, well, this isn't actually that bad. I'm just, you know, BSing myself. And so, um, I really look at that. You know, I really look at that from that perspective. Mm. It sounds like you, you, you have too, especially with your clients, you know, how many people have yeah. you actually, into? I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with, I'm not familiar. I, I haven't been familiar with this. How many people have you actually run into in like a week or two in, you're just kind of like, well, they're like, Hey, I'm, I'm fine. And you're just like, well, I guess you, you know, if that's where you want to be and, and, and honoring that. Cause I know there's a dichotomy between that. Some people are like, well, let's just press on. Um, have you had that happen with, with anybody who's just kind of a few weeks and they're just like, no, I'm, I'm, in terms of people I've worked with or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, um, so far, no. Um, okay. If it does happen, yeah, I'll, I'll just, okay, you know, you don't actually have, you don't need me. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, cool. Um, but I find that generally when I do take someone on and we start working, we do go deep. Mm. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's what I'm about. I'm, absolutely. I'm about going absolutely deep 
being as vulnerable as you're able to be. I love it. And I'll model that for them. And then they'll realize, oh, crap. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, lo- I love that. Like, um, you said is vulnerable. And I had somebody else on who said the same thing. As vulnerable as you are able to be. Yes. So vulnerability is one of those things that I believe it's, it's really huge in, the, in, in every part, even from like the leadership perspective that I've worked with and to, to one-on-one development and everything else is like, you got to be vulnerable. You know, everybody's pushing, pushing, pushing for this. You know, we got to be vulnerable. And nobody says, I wouldn't say nobody. Very few people say, as you are comfortable, and this is where I'll use the word comfortable, as comfortable as you want to be. If the vulnerability is one-on-one with you in the mirror, then that's okay. Yeah. Like, and I love how you hold that, hold that space because a lot of people like push, no, come on, tell me more. And it's like, maybe in something like this, we're doing an interview, you know, cause we're trying to draw it out cause we're, we know what it's going to do. But yeah, when you're doing that with even friends and family, some, you know, I've, I've had um, close friends who are just like, I'm not ready to say that. And then they're expecting for me to push and just like, no, that's okay. You don't want to say that. Yeah. You know, if, uh, yeah, maybe I'll go I say mean, it to it's, it's all, I have to be very aware as well, because Mm -hmm. when I say be as vulnerable as you're able to be, I think we're capable of far more vulnerability than we tell ourselves we're we're able to. And that's where I will, that's where I set the bar. It's like, you probably feel like you can't be vulnerable here. Mm. I don't think the feeling is who you are. I'm looking at your potential. Yeah. Yeah. And so how do I facilitate that is in my sessions, I will be vulnerable. I'm going to tell you the, all the grit, all the nasty, all the embarrassing stuff, all the stuff that I normally wouldn't want to share. I will go there and I'll show you what it looks like for me. And when you see that, you'll see, oh, oh okay. <laughs> I'm actually not alone. Like if Joe went through that, yeah, then, okay, I can share that too. Yeah, man. That's, and then, yeah, it's, that's definitely something in, in like with this is what we try to bring on even much a grander scale, just, just, to, just to, you know, uh, what I'd say peek through the crack, right. Is right. that if we can facilitate that through conversation between two men, right. And, yeah. and, and open that up and you've been more than vulnerable enough, but where did you really start opening that vulnerability? So was that adding a leap? You know, once you took the leap and you moved to South Africa and you started to go into, you know, all the self-forgiveness and awareness, you know, that you aligned with, is that where your, your ability to start being way more vulnerable uh, uh, really kind of manifested? That happened after I went through what I would describe as a pretty severe depression okay. that happened when I, when I went to South Africa. So it was, it's interesting, right? Because the, now, I went there kind of with a mindset of escaping, mm. right? I was done. I was burned out. I was angry. I was bitter. I was tired. I was drained. I, want, I, I, I wanted things to be different. And I thought, okay, I don't know what I can start with. I don't even know how to start changing things. So let me just, let me go to South Africa, 10,000 miles away. Yeah. Um, removed from everything I'm familiar with. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and that didn't work too well in terms of um, um, being, being a good idea for, but anyway, um, it turned out to be exactly what I needed. Mm. Because when I was there, you know, 10,000 miles away from everything familiar, um, you know, living on a farm, you know, there were horses and animals and nature and I was surrounded by clear big open skies i didn't see another building 
okay. around me anywhere. And in, in that space where I don't have anyone else to blame, I don't have anyone else to hang my personality onto to justify what I was feeling anymore. Everything came back to me. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, you know, I left, I, I moved, I'm 10,000 miles away from where I was, but here it is inside of me. And so, yeah, it hit, all of it caught up, right? All yeah. of the stuff I was running, it's that beach ball we were talking yeah. about, yeah. right? Now it's like, well, here, here it is. Yeah. And it all came up and it was, it was tough. I, you know, there were moments of suicidality. I didn't get as far as making attempts on my life, but it would be a persistent mm. thing of like, things would just be better if I was gone. Mm. Like the logical mind was telling me that's the best option, Oof. you know, because I'm a burden being around on this planet. Nothing I do has meaning. No, mm. None of my connections were meaningful or deep or real. My personality to this point has been fake. Mm. And, um, you know, if I left, who would really miss me? Like, what, what difference would it make? So wouldn't it be better to just cut my losses and remove myself? Mm. And that's a very dangerous logic. Very. Because there is a kind of logic there. And it's coming from a space of emptiness, of disconnection, of lack of meaning, lack of purpose. Um, and so as I was struggling with that depression, that was when I started to really dig deep and started to look at who I was and how I got there and how I became um, what I was at that point. And that took a long time. Yeah, That took some really dig digging and and you know, there would be days where i would lay in bed and i that's all i could muster just this is all i i can i can bring myself to do i would i can just i can lay here that's about it but i started to as i would lay there i would just let the emotions come mm. wave after wave and instead of diagnosing instead of trying to fix it or heal it or make it go away or judge myself or feel anything, I would just like be with it. And the fascinating thing is the more I got good at doing that, the more I started to see what was, what was behind the pain. Mm. And it was almost as if all those waves of pain were like parts of me knocking at the door, desperate to be heard. Yeah. Right. But oftentimes, especially when I was busy, I had yeah. the excuse of, no, 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 I don't have time for you. Go away, go away, go away. Yeah. And so those parts of me get desperate. It's, and what I'd like to say is like, you can try to cut off parts of yourself and isolate them, but it's still you. It's not like that part of you disappears. Mm. That part of you is still with you, in you. And now imagine if you were the part of yourself that got cut, how fucking angry would you get? Oh, man. Put into the dark, ignored, not heard, not even regarded, not, not considered at all, but you're there. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you fight? Wouldn't you become a beast? Oh. And that's what we do with our pain. Yeah. Right. 
And that's the thing we, we try to, we know that it's there. We know we're not dealing with it. We know that it's hurting because it's us. It's kind of like we took the part of ourselves that was hurting and in conflict and we siloed it away so we don't have to deal with it, but it's still there. Yeah. Right. So as I was doing these kinds of practices, I got deeper into myself than I ever got before. And I started to learn the language of pain. I started to learn the language of, you know, why I would be so angry, why I would be so insecure, why I was so frustrated, why I felt so empty. And that was when I stumbled on that concept of numbing, you know, as I was numbing myself from the loneliness, the lack of purpose, the lack of meaning, I was also numbing myself from being able to love myself, mm. being able to respect myself, being able to create boundaries, being able to expect good and meaningful things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so through all of that was, um, was how the foundations of my, my coaching started to, to get put together. I literally was my first client. That, so, that's the way it works for a, a, a lot of people, you know, whether they do it one-on-one -on -one or they go back into mm -hmm. an organization and maybe move up into leadership, whatever it is, is that, you know, it, it's once you get that growth and transformation rolling is you know what worked for you. And again, we know everybody's story is different, but there are, there are some foundations. There's a lot of foundations that, that work and why these things have been created. One of the biggest things I'm into is act, right? Which is acceptance and commitment. Um, although I just learned the terminology over the past couple of weeks, it's something that I've been following for the past couple of years. And um, there are foundations to that, you know, yeah. and, and it's those things. It's the introspection, it's the acceptance, right? And, and, and like you said, um, you know, really looking at what am I segmenting away and what am I not expecting of myself in a healthy way, right? Because you, you said you weren't expecting the joy or anything, expecting the happiness. It was just, it's just all subdued, right? Yeah. And, and then you moved on and, and just kind of, you leaned into the pain. And it's such a popular phrase to lean into, but it's kind of what you have to do. Like it, if you push it away, all your energy is expensed and it's still there. It's knocking to come out. It's either going to come out in a really vicious way or you're going mm -hmm. to say, you're going to open the door and say, when you're ready, come on out, right? Right. Ready. Or I like to believe, um, you know, a good friend of mine helped me put this in better context. Everything that's great and bad about you has always been there. <laughs> it's always yeah. has been, always will be. Yeah. And man, that, that, again, it's all too familiar because a lot of people I've, I've talked to, again, you start attracting people around you who have similar, those similar experiences mm. um, and just put into a great context. And when you said you did that, you know, you, you took a leap of action to go somewhere else, to, to go to another continent. And then, you know, everybody expect, oh, I take this next step, it's going to get better. But you went one step forward and then it looks like three steps back, but you knew somewhere in your heart or in your mind that this is the direction I need to go. Right. Because back here, right. Mm. Well, this goes on YouTube at one point in time, but back here is not where I need to be. And at least here, even though you went into this sounds like really deep depression that it was and with, with the, the ideation, you at least were working towards something that you would have, you know, that slowly came out and you were able to deal with versus if you stayed stuck into that subdued zone of the 80 hour a week job and, and mm. pushing everything away that would have came out a lot more viciously. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Man. So for yeah. anybody who's, who's really listening, um, did three years, you know, 
a lot of people would say three years, that's such a long time. You know, we said it's a small time in reality because everybody's looking for the now, the now, the now, the, you know, I need 12 weeks to change my life. I need these, these things. And, you know, we're going to be on here, but tell me in, in, in your opinion and what you believe, how long does transformation last? Well, for me, what you should know about me is I'm very stubborn. I'm very bad <laughs> at asking for I would, help. I would never guess actually. Oh, um, no, I, I, I have a pretty extreme persona in that way in that okay. I, I can be very stubborn and I'm not very good at asking for help because I had a lot of nice guy syndrome where mm. I felt like I don't, I'm not allowed to ask for help. And if I deserve help, people will just give it to me, but I, I, sh I, ha I can't ask for it. So that was coming from my previous trauma. But anyway, because of that, my journey took, took what it took right it took the amount of time that it took yes and that was the appropriate time for me mm. for other people you know i i share the story of three years but you're like oh man does that mean not to work with you for three years I mean, <laughs> no i'm you work with me so you don't have to take three years <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so here's how it breaks down the first year you know i was still coming off of the high mm. of like wow i'm in south africa and i don't have an 80 hour a week job and oh this is awesome and this is so cool and i have all this time to myself and all this other stuff and then as that died down the second year was when I, my, my problems started to come up mm. and I, I was no longer able to distract myself from those things so the second year was going into the darkness and towards the end of the second year was that was when I started to come out of it. That was when the transition started. Um, so it wasn't like all three years was me doing that deep yeah. work. It was this, this was the flow of my hero's journey, mm -hmm. right? So out of you know, that last year, that was when I made those deep fundamental shifts and, and dug deeper than I ever dug before. So for me, there's two, there's different ways to answer the question. Yeah. How long did it take for me to transition out of it? One way to answer that would be it, it took the year that it took after the darkness hit to work through it and process myself out of it. Another way to answer that is it took me 36 years because it took the entire span of my life to be who I was to create the events that I went mm. through to create the personalities and character that I had to create this whole setup and then go on this journey. So however you wanna frame that question, that's how I would respond. That in itself is the perfect answer, right? That is the, it takes what it takes. Yeah. Right, if I had to just sum it up. And the reason I love to ask that question, especially when people start getting on this timetable of this is when I went through is it takes what it takes and you know we talked about just letting go here quit holding on to the expectations but i tell that it needs to be next month it needs to be here it takes what it takes and when you get there and not arrive but when you get there you'll know you know yeah. and um for you you said it, it part of it was the last year but all three years but plus the 36 years of your life and however yeah. you frame that you know good <laughs> because yeah. The, the expectation is, well, I need to be here tomorrow or I need to be here next month instead yeah. of like, 
the process. You know, you said the 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 South Africa sounded like one process in its own, but outside yeah. of the thirty, you know, inside the thirty six years. Yeah, the process, and I, right. you know, a mutual person that we know says fall in love with the process, whatever right. that process is, you know, and um, yeah, you know, time. I, I ask myself, I actually have it written down here. You know, how do you deal with time? And I'm just like, well, sometimes it becomes an owner, and sometimes like it is what it is, and it takes what it is. You know, I love the answer, and it was perfect in every way. I'll put it that way. Thank you. Right? That <laughs> I don't know how else to put it because I've had so many people. I've interacted with so many people that are like, well, you know, in six months. And I get setting goals and boundaries and those things too. But when it comes to that deep part is that you can't determine when and exactly when it's going to happen. But when you, when it does, it clicks, right? So, like it sounded like your last yeah. year was the clicking yeah. part, right? That right. was like click. Okay. I'm, I'm finally, you know, into that story and, and where I want to, you know, want to head, you know, forever, <laughs> you know, that's yeah. the direction I want to go. I love it, man. That, that But in order to get there, I had to go through the long dark night of the soul. Yeah. And and get good with the pain. Mm. So here's why I think this is why I was able to not make time part of my recovery. Mm -hmm. It was that, you know, removed from everything I, I had known, you know, my friends, my family, my environment, everything, even my belongings. Um and going into that depression, um, I got to a state where I, I had to make one very important decision, which is that f from my most depressed moment, I didn't have any expectation that things were going to get better. Mm. And so the first decision I had to make was if this is going to be the rest of my life, if every day I'm going to wake up this broken and sad and lonely am i willing to still be with myself mm. can i be okay with that am i willing to still wake up in that every day and i decided that the answer is yes ah. i had to decide okay i'm deciding if i never get better if every day is going to be like this okay and what I found within that was because I accepted myself completely as the broken, as the hurt, as the victimized, as the angry self, um, that also meant that I could never give up again. Mm -hmm. And so it didn't matter. It didn't matter if that was going to be the next 10 years of my life because I had already made that commitment. It was like, okay, yeah. this is going to be every day. Okay. Man. Now, having, having said that, having made that commitment, having resolved that within myself, the only other thing to do was, okay, now, if I'm okay being this, can I also be okay working on myself? Can I also be okay, if I'm, if I'm going to be okay with all of this pain, living with it every day, can it also be okay to understand the pain? Mm -hmm. Can it also be okay to forgive myself? Can it also be okay to dive deeper into myself knowing that, hey, even if nothing changes, I'm still going to accept myself and wake up every day. Yeah. And that was, I think, why I didn't make time, you know, part mm. of my, my, my process. It was like, it's going to take what it takes. Mm. And even yeah. if I never heal, I've decided to love myself unconditionally. But 
you know, from doing that, from that decision point where you said, can I do this every day? I almost, you know, say, well, if I can do that, why can't I do this? And not from the boomerang question of why, but where else do I have right. to go? But, but here I've accepted the fact that I'm still, I'm still fighting, you know, to, for this. Why can't I fight for more? Right. Right. Because yeah. exactly. You know. If I'm okay with the worst part of me, mm. then why wouldn't I be okay with the better part of me as well? Like if I can accept the worst, then, you know, okay, rock bottom no longer crushes me. Mm. So there's, there's only one other direction to go, which is, okay, let's, let's see if we can make it better. If I'm going to be okay living in the crap, can I turn the crap into something better than crap? <laughs> it's awesome. If it's, you know? Yeah. And, and if it's crap, okay, fine. I've already, I'm already okay with it. I'm already okay with it. Right? That acceptance part is so powerful though. Like it, it's, it's almost, it's, it's, it, it's almost like the, the, the switch that then flips everything and yes. it gives you, the acceptance gives you the permission. I mean, it gives you so much permission you, to. It gives you vulnerability. Get, boom. Oh man. Man, love it. It does. It does. It gives you the permission to be vulnerable. It gives you the permission to move forward. The acceptance yeah. saying, I'm, I'm, I'm fine where I'm at, you know, and then there's so much more now. Well, can't I be fine here and then here and right. then here and then here and then here? Because obviously right. I can't go any lower right. um, than what I've accepted the low to be. Man. Yes. Woo. I love it. Yeah. It's like, it's like, for me, that's gold. And hopefully somebody else hears it and says, wow. Yeah. I, okay. <laughs> you know, um, that's, that's such a, such a fantastic moment, you know, to really just, I mean, just if you have to sit with that for a few minutes or hours or whatever, and come back to that, you know, that's about an hour in, I would come back and listen to that, like atomic bomb that was dropped of just I don't know. Goodness. Right. I, I would. It's, yeah. It's one of those things that can change everything. That's mm -hmm. going on the loop. I told you, I find one thing, even for myself in the conversation. And even though I'm in the acceptance, I've been in the acceptance part is the other thing is it's okay to revisit that too. You mm -hmm. know, let's go back and say, okay, I accepted this. Cause again, like you said, uh, when you made your move and then you kind of went backwards uh, and everything else. And sometimes maybe we have to just remind, I don't even call it a reminder. Um, Cause reminder doesn't do it justice. But you can you can always go back and look at those parts and say this is why I'm still here. Again, um, I go back and that's why I used I use the word stand up. This is why I stay in a fight because I've accepted mm. that it can't get any worse in here and I can only move up. And that's like how the whole term kind of really came to be. I had to find something that could embody that. Right. So man, dude, like that is. Yeah. If you had to listen to an hour to get to that, it was worth every moment of it. I'm telling you right now. Like whoever is gonna listen, it was worth every juicy second man that that is like I, I don't know brings a lot of joy to me just to hear that from another human being because that's not we don't hear that enough yeah we don't yeah so i'll give you one thing that was a heck of a lot and i'm sure like we said we could go like three hours really digging deeper into that journey and i think at some point i would love to be able to revisit that with you yeah um, sure. i would love to be able to like dig into the, each of those years and um if you want to come back on which Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Happy I think, to. Because I think that maybe people might need to be a little deeper into the process, yeah. right? And might need that. But that was a lot of your journey, man, of like how you got, I think there's so much, so much to, to really that you could break down if you listen and just listen with intent to that. Because um, 
I, I still hide emotion. I do like it, but some of the stuff you said, like it resonated because I've been there. And when you yeah. hear it again from somebody else and you're like, man, somebody else lives that. And again, the reason why I'm doing this is because you need to hear it from somebody who has not the same journey, but a very similar right. experience. And right. dude, you brought, you brought the heat. I'll tell you that much. Like you did. So I got a few, few things. Uh, number one, you get to leave what we call the, like your, uh, stay in a fight moment, uh, impact statement, right? Like what, mm. what keeps you stay to stay in the fight? What is it that you would tell somebody else to keep them in it? I would say that, you know, through all of this, I firmly believe that within each and every single person is a hero that is ready and willing to rise to any occasion, no matter how far you've fallen. But the key to recovering that hero is on the other side of the shadows inside of you. The willingness to look at that, the willingness to, the, the willingness to go into the dark, the willingness to forgive yourself and accept yourself at your lowest, the willingness to be completely vulnerable makes you invulnerable. And when you lean into that, when you really discover that, you might find yourself reconnected to purpose, reconnected to passion, and reconnected to vulnerability. And all of those things combined turns you into a real hero. A hero isn't somebody perfect. A hero is somebody that is flawed. A hero is somebody that says, this is going to hurt. This is going to cost me. This is going to be a struggle, but I choose it because that's the better version of me. Man. Oh, that is, that is one of the finest statements I've heard since I started this, Joe. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on. I got one question. One question for you, because I like to ask something that's like maybe not uh, to uh, to kind of bring some some uh, I don't know just rise to make up me a human <laughs> make you human. So you tell go. me one thing that you are not very good at at all. Okay, I might get in trouble for this. <laughs> um, I'm Asian. <laughs> I'm not good at driving. Not good at driving. <laughs> now, now this isn't an Asian thing. Okay, I I um I grew up very sheltered, and I never I never really had to learn how to get around because I people would either drive me or I would just not have to deal with it. And then later on in life, that became a persistent pattern where I said, "Oh, I don't need a car. I'll just walk everywhere." <laughs> Yeah, good luck being in California. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 don't, I don't drive often. I, yeah. I, I, I'm, I virtually don't drive. And if I do have to get somewhere, I'm fortunate enough to be making money in my business where I just, I'll just get an Uber nice. or like get, a, get a Lyft. <laughs> um, so I'm not a very good driver. And sometimes that creates conflict in me because when I share that, you know, it's, it sometimes gets a, attached to, oh, you know, <laughs> you're Chinese. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm like, <laughs> like, no, it's not a stereotype. I just didn't grow up with it. No, it's not, it's not about that. Well, I mean, hey, maybe it is. I don't know. Right. So 
but that's me being vulnerable. That's, I love it. That's man. one thing I'm not very good at. <laughs> that's so awesome. It's like, you know, vulnerability doesn't have to be, you know, the, 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 the deep too. You can dig into something that I'm just not good. Man, I suck at, uh, you know, what is it? What is a very white Caucasian thing to be good at? I don't know. Sports, I guess I, I suck at those, you know, I'm not that, I'm not that great. Right. I get, you know, that those are yeah. the things that you can come up with yeah. um, because vulnerability doesn't have to just be the deep and dark. Man. Exactly. Well, Hey Joe, I really appreciate your vulnerability. I really appreciate it. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode. We look forward to bringing you new content each and every week through our boots on the ground approach of real and relatable guests. But I'll tell you what, this show cannot carry on without your support. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. Thanks everyone for listening. I want to remind you to stay in the fight. <laughs>